Yes, massive show today. The first day of spring. How good is that? Thursday, September 1, the Big Sports Breakfast, Sky Sports Radio. A very good morning to you wherever and however you're listening. And uh, we're all all over the place today. Uh, and what a day of sport it is. The Sporting US Open Tennis with uh, Nick Kyrgios amongst many in action. The Aussies faring really well there at Flushing Meadows. A host of Premier League matches and a lot of the Premier League big guns in action as we speak this morning as well. And a huge night of footy in the AFL. You've got the first final, the elimination final between Brisbane and Richmond at the Gabba. And of course in the NRL. What a game at Combank Stadium. Top four spot up for grabs. Parramatta and the Melbourne Storm, an avalanche of money for Tab with the Eels, who've been back from 235 into pronounced favourites at $1.65 they are. In fact, $1.62, they've just firmed again this morning. Melbourne out to $2.30. Uh, Loz, a very good morning to you from Walsh's Hotel there in Queanbeyan as part of the Kosciuszko Tour. Morning to you, mate, and how was the night last night? Oh, we had a tremendous night. Middle morning, uh Middle morning, pup, morning, everybody. No, we had a sensational night here last night. I ran into an old mate, Ricky Stewart, was here. So we had probably a later night than I was expecting. But uh, Mick and Josh and the boys uh, here at Walsh's uh, looked after us. We've had a a fantastic evening. Uh, Looking forward to the footy tonight. Um, I think that money has come. Obviously, there's a lot of people that are on the Parramatta bandwagon. But a big blow for the Melbourne Storm, Jerome Hughes, ruled out of the clash. And I think with him not being there tonight, uh, I think that's a um, that's a that's a that's a big loss for them because he's very instrumental in the way that they attack and their attack hasn't been brilliant uh, the last few uh, last couple of games. Um, I know they rattled up a, a big score um, two weeks ago against the Broncos and everything sort of clicked for them. But last week I thought they were a little bit rusty and they'll put under pressure. And Cooper Johns is going to have a big job in front of him tonight. Uh, be interesting to see how Craig Bellamy uh, goes about it, whether he leaves Cam Munster back in the, the fullback position or moves him into 5'8 to try and help guide young Cooper Johns around. Uh, but it's an intriguing battle, and I reckon Parramatta supporters will be up and about this morning. They'll be very excited about their team's chances tonight. Certainly will be. And, Pup, morning to you, mate. The thing is now with Parramatta, this will be deemed as an epic failure if they don't win tonight, because uh, Ryan Pappenhausen as well, of course, out of the uh, the Melbourne side, hasn't been there for a while, as we know. But uh, with Jerome Hughes going down, what an opportunity for the Eels to finish top four and give themselves the best chance possible of going yeah. to premiership. Yeah, morning, boys. Morning to our listeners. Yeah, massive opportunity for Para. And you don't wish anyone to be, to be out. You want to play your opposition at their best, especially in this game, to see where you're at. Um, but that top four position is so important. So, yeah, Parra's not going to get a, a better leg up than what they just have, really. Um, they need to make the most of it. I think, you know, listening to the Parramatta players and their coach speak um, in the lead-up to this game over the last few days, I think they've made it very clear that their final series starts tonight. Um, so I think you're going to see Parra come out fired up and, and hopefully at their best tonight. How was Ricky Loz? I'm sure he's always relaxed in your company, but uh, naturally they've got a big weekend ahead of them. The Raiders heading to Leichhardt on Sunday afternoon. It could all be uh, you know, done and dusted for them, should the Broncos not beat the Dragons, of course, on Saturday. But uh, how is Ricky feeling? Yeah, I think, like most coaches, you're always nervous going into a contest. And, you know, they win. They're in the semifinals. 
Um, obviously, if the Broncos uh, lose on Saturday uh, against the Dragons, that will help their, their their cause because they, you know, probably don't need them to win on the on the Sunday. But he's not thinking like that. He wants to make sure they win and go into the finals with a bit of momentum behind them. Um, so I, I think he's confident in his team. But again, just knowing what can happen um, on that final day, um, he was very pleased with the way they performed last weekend. And he thinks if they can play like that, they'll be hard to beat. But, yeah, I think he's a little bit nervous about what they're going to confront on Sunday at Leichhardt Oval. You know, West Tigers are always a different side. Playing at Leichhardt in the afternoon. Uh, they're farewelling Jimmy Tamo. Uh, a lot of blokes playing for their careers. So this will be a, a danger game. But if they prepare well, they should be able to get the job done. And Papa saw last night on Nine News, Chris O'Keefe, uh, the great Avon Sampson's plus one uh, reporting that Leichhardt Oval will likely close to elite sport at the end of next year, unless, of course, there's a government upgrade. That would be such a great oh, shame for that venue. Yeah, it'd be devastating. I, I think you, you know, you speak to any of the fans that have been there. Um, we get block on today, but no one better can talk about Leichhardt Oval than than Blocker. I, I think to walk out there and play in front of your home fans, it's. Very special. Um, for me, it was, it's like Pratt and Park, I guess, um, as a cricketer to be able to walk out there and, and, and play club cricket. That's your home. That's that's where you. Um, I grew up playing, and for you know, Bowmain Tigers and even the West Tigers, Leichhardt is is so important. So yeah, that that would be devastating, you know. Uh, now, just Rod from Nara on the text line, Mido. I stayed at the Quest at Nara on Tuesday. The Tab Van was there. Was Stanley there? Well, Stanley's obviously with you there, Loz. He's uh, doing the trek south. Uh, he is, yep. We're all about the Kosciuszko, Mido, the world's richest country race for trained horses. Um, Two million bucks in prize money. The tickets are on sale at the moment, and Dave Stanley's been spruiking that for the last couple of weeks. Um I think we're all excited, and even here last night, talking to a lot of the locals, uh, it's a very big punting pub uh, as well. They all love their, their horse racing. They're all excited about the Kosciuszko. So Stanley was here. He was in fine form, um, and I'm sure he'll have a good show for us at 9 o'clock when he comes on air. I did tell him he could come with me nice and early this morning. I knocked on his door, but the big fella was snoring. <laughs> So I don't think he, he heard the knock on the door. Yeah, I reckon the whole suburb probably heard it uh, there at Queenbeer. But also, Loz, I saw oh, you yeah, had... He, he was up and about, though. I have no doubt. I saw you had the great Josh Reynolds with you, and he's going to be joining us on the show for the full half hour after 6 o'clock. He's going to be joining you there at uh, Walsh's Hotel there in Queenbeer. And how is he? Yeah, looking forward to talking to Grubby. He's back from England. He settled in. Uh, we'll ask him about what's the latest with his footy career and what he's doing next season. Uh, but no, he was quite excited to be back here in Australia. And, you know, he's still got a lot to offer the NRL. Um, he's been a, a wonderful player for the Bulldogs and the West Tigers and obviously spent some time over there in the English Super League. And, you know, I think if his career had to finish the way it has, I, I think he'd be... You know, happy, but I reckon he wants to play. He wants to run around again, and what a way that would be for him to finish his career at the Bulldogs. I mean, when you think of Josh, you just think of him as a Bulldog, and I think he's still got a lot to offer. He certainly would be a a guy that would be good for the culture of a football club. Um, You know, he'd understand the role that he's been brought in to to play at the Bulldogs, Um, and I think a lot of Bulldog supporters would be happy if Josh Reynolds was back playing for the for the Bulldogs next season. 
Pup game of cricket yesterday, if you'd call it that. Zimbabwe rolled for 96 after uh, Australia won the toss and elected to put them in. So 96 in 27.5 overs. Mitchell Stark, the destroyer, and ended up man of the match. Eight overs, one maiden, three for 24. But his opening spell, uh, he reduced Zimbabwe to three for 14. And that was pretty much it in response. Two for 100. The Aussies got there within 15 overs. Uh, we saw Steve Smith not out 47, Alex Carey not out 26, back to batting at three and four respectively, doing, I guess, what exactly what we're expecting them to do. There just always seems to be pressure on Aaron Finch, who got out for one yesterday. Um, yeah, again, question marks whether he'll get through to still be captain at the 50-over World Cup. I think it's in India, isn't it, in, uh, in 12 yeah, months' is. time? Yep. Yeah, there's some pressure on Finchy. Um, Mido, he's... Well, his performance has been very inconsistent over the last at least 12 months, to be honest. So, and again, no disrespect to Zimbabwe. That, that's exactly how Australia should play against them. They should be flogging them. They're a much better team. Um, and you'd like to think as a batsman in Finchie's position, this is where he does get some confidence, make some runs in the lead up to this 2020 World Cup. So, yeah, until he nails down a couple of big scores, I think he's going to be under the pump um, because of his performances over a, you know, a decent period of time now. But he's still good enough. He, he's still, I think, one of our best openers. Um, I'd like him to make some runs just for confidence going into this World Cup, the 2020 World Cup, which is just around the corner, starts in, in the middle of October. So hopefully for Australia's sake, he, you know, can, if he doesn't make any runs in this next game against Zimbabwe, I think we've got New Zealand in some one days, which will be a bit of a much bigger test than, than Zimbabwe. So hopefully he can score some there and be ready to go in that World Cup. But yeah, uh, not surprised by the result, not surprised by the dominance, uh, great win by the Aussies and hopefully they can um, yeah just really start to get some momentum and, and get ready for this New Zealand series. Just before we get to the headlines uh, pretty heavy question for you Clarkie on the text line early doors. Clarkie mm-hmm. if you were a captain of a world 11 playing five tests and five one days throughout different countries mm-hmm. the, the selectors said you could only pick either Tendulka or Lara who would you pick and why? Love the show says Graham. Ooh, uh, well, you would definitely be able to pick two <laughs> because those two are in any World Eleven, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, I would Brian Lara was my favourite player, so I would probably pick Brian Lara based on that. But yeah, it, it Sachin Sachin was one of a kind. Uh, well, apart from Bradman, <laughs> uh, Sachin certainly the best batsman I probably played with or against. Um, but Brian Lara was my favourite player. So if I was captain, I'd probably go personal in this instance and go for one of my close friends in Brian Lara. But yeah, either way, I think those two and Sir Donald Bradman, those three are making any World Eleven of any generation, any era. No doubt. I'm picking Lara. Loz, are you Tendulka or Lara? Oh... Yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? I, yeah. You know what? I'll, I'll go Tendulka. And they're both great in all conditions. I think that's what that's what separates um, those two from, even when you look at the best players in the world now, let's say Coley or Steve Smith or uh, Joe Root. I, I think when you look at the way Lara and Tendulka played against all countries all around the world, against fast bowling and spin... Man, they just didn't have a weakness. Mm. 
You know, Glenn McGrath was probably the only thing that that you know even got a chance to touch Brian Lara to get him out a few times. Yet he still made you know big hundreds, double hundreds against Australia and against you know that Australian attack was unbelievable. Smash Warney at stages, Tendulkar the same. Tendulkar all around the world against quicks and spin, just unbelievable. Two amazing players that happen to play in the in the same generation were very lucky to to watch them and to play along uh, or against them for me. Goodness me. Liverpool have conceded the opening goal again. They're down 1-0 to Newcastle at Anfield just before half-time. In fact, it's half-time now. Tottenham lead at half-time, 1-0 at West Ham in that London derby. Man City 4-0 over Nottingham Forest. Goodness me. Cricket score looming there. 63 minutes gone. Arsenal lead Aston Villa. At the Emirates 1-0 and Bournemouth and Wolves is scoreless. Just over an hour gone in that fixture in the Premier League this morning. Phil Moss coming up later this morning. Back page of the Daily Telegraph. Ah, the book of feuds. Get off our turf is the headline there. Uh, Nick Politis, the Roosters chairman on the club podcast, uh, talking about the new Sydney football stadium, Allianz Stadium saying, we've been there since 1928, talking about the old sports ground, of course, before it became the Sydney Football Stadium, for another club to say they want to go there. It's not their home. The Roosters are the only people that belong there. It's our true home and it's very sacred. So there you go, Loz. Just uh, love seeing this. Build up the rivalry and uh, what an occasion it's going to be tomorrow night. Oh, there's no love lost between the two clubs and that rivalry is real and the fans buy into it and they despise one another and it'll be a magnificent game on, on Friday night. But I suppose he does make a good point, uh, Nick. It's been their home ground since 1928 and you know South have had Redfern Oval and then, of course, they moved there for a couple of years to the footy stadium, but then they've moved out west and they've been out there for ooh, probably 10 or so years now or... or or longer, but um, it's a it's a magnificent footy stadium, and with forty odd thousand people there on Friday night, it'll be a tremendous atmosphere. Both teams looking to play some good football in the lead up to finals. Both teams are capable of getting to a grand final. We know the artillery they have in their their outfits. Um, looking forward to the battle of the fullbacks on Friday night with Latrell Mitchell and James Tedesco, two different style of players, but two players who have an enormous impact on their way on the way that their team performs. So uh, that'll just add to a, a, another chapter in the feud and looking forward to it very, very much, as we are looking forward to tonight's game between Parramatta and the Melbourne Storm. And on tonight's game, Andrew Johns in his weekly column in the Sydney Morning Herald under the headline, If Eels Can Survive the Storm, They'll Play in decider. So Joey's just saying if they can win tonight, they'll make the grand final and play Penrith in the grand final. I guess this is uh, something that uh, you'd probably concur with, Loz. You've always said that uh, Parramatta, uh, they're very much a threat for the premiership this year. And uh, if they win tonight, then that is very, very credible, if it isn't already. I watch Parramatta and I reckon play, and I reckon I can tell within the first five to ten minutes what we're going to expect from them. And every time they start with their front rowers leading the way and carrying the ball strongly, for me that's a good indication that Parramatta are going to play well. I don't like when they go out with this plan of trying to you know, have a set piece and try and beat teams with, with skill from set plays. I just love it when they carry the ball forward, they're running to break the line, the offloads happen off the back of that and they play some unstructured football. 
because they've got guys that can react to that. You know, your Dylan Browns, your your Mitch Moses, as Gutho is always pushing there in support. That's the style of footy that will worry Melbourne. It's the style of footy that will beat the best defensive systems. And I've said it for a long period of time. I don't think they're a side that can work to a, a part of the field and come up with two or set pieces, you know, set plays and try and outsmart the opposition with their skill. I think it's all about just playing and stretching the opposition off the back of offloads. And if they do that through strong carries, I reckon they can get the job done and play in the grand final this year. Also in Joey's column, young in cup frame. Obviously difficult to talk about uh, the World Cup squad for you, Loz. But Hudson Young, Joey, saying in this article, has to be a smoky for the squad. He's really, I guess, filled the void of that sort of X-factor play that, you know, John Bateman was there at the Raiders. He's had such a terrific year. I think another player's got to be Sean Lane's got to be in the consideration as a smoky as well. But, uh, geez, added a point of difference, hasn't he, to Canberra this year, Hudson Young? Well, he's a bit like Jeremiah Nenai from the Cowboys, there's always something happening around him, whether it's a, a line break, whether he's scoring a try. Um, there's just, you know, he's aggressive in defence. So, yeah, he's someone that, that Mal has certainly got an eye on and a guy that's improved as the season has gone on. So we're quite lucky, Australia, that we have got plenty of back row options. And you mentioned Sean Lane. I, th- I think that he's someone that's really rocketed into calculations, not only off the back of his performance last weekend, but what he's done all season. He's been close to Parramatta's best. But again, it'll come down to final series and how they perform and how they step up in class and you know what impact they can have on finals games. So that's the big challenge now for Hudson and Sean Lane and these type of guys that are on the verge of playing representative football is to be able to do it consistently in the big games at the end of the year. Well, the fallout from the Cam Smith defection to live, uh, really in full swing. And on the back page of the Telegraph, Cam, you'll never be number one now. And this is Robert Allenby writing a column uh, in the paper today on the back page of the Australian. uh, The case for his defection, I guess. Time to live a little. No downside as Smith takes the money and runs. Will Swanton writing on the back page of the Australian. I'll tell you what's interesting, though, fellas. Uh, Pup, how about this? ESPN's reporting that the PGA Tour now wants to stage a global series of three events, which is likely to be with limited fields and have no cut as well with huge prize money. So already you're seeing, well, it's it's amazing how the PGA has reacted to this. Well, say everyone, every current player say thank you to the Live Tour and Greg Norman because all of a sudden the PGA's found a few million dollars. And where's, it, where's, yeah. it, where's it been? And now they want to change, hmm. you know, their competition or now they want, to, they want to add some different tours. Like, where's it been before the Live Tour? They were sleepy, lukey, resting on their laurels. I know the players are already making great money, don't get me wrong, but look at what's happened now. They decided to make some changes, find some dollars. It's too late. Hmm. And for anyone having a go at Cam Smith, please look in the mirror. Don't sit there and tell me you wouldn't make the exact same decision if a hundred million US dollars, one hundred and forty million Australian dollars. If you just think about doubling your own wage, somebody offered you double what you're making. Mate, come on, mm. stop having a crack at him and understand because 
99% of us would do exactly the same. And, and it, you've got to remember as well, as it stands, the PGA Tour doesn't run the majors. Uh, people saying, you know, he won't be number one now, which is Robert Allenby's writing today. That's very well and true. But if he can still play the majors, you know, what are we going to remember as Australians? Uh, how many majors you win? Or whether you're number oh, one or not. I think in golf, it's, it's, it's the majors and winning tournaments. Whatever, like, it, it's his decision. And, um, like, there's a million reasons why he said yes. <laughs> there you go. Like, you can sit here and say, yeah, his family and set his life up. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. Like, I just think, I just think we do it so bad here in this country. We all of a sudden change our entire opinion on this guy who... We've, we've been bragging about for the last five years, what a great guy, what a proud Aussie, represents the country well all around the world. Now we've got beef. Mm. Hey, $140 million. Yeah, I think the way the PGA Tour has responded says it all, really. The fact they're finally going to, you know, take more events globally, according to these reports from ESPN. Um, yeah, just it just confirms what you were saying, Pup. They've just been sitting on their entitled... Right. Backsides exactly right. for for years on end. Um, it hadn't been challenged, mate. Now the live tour is challenging them. Now they're making change. Well, unfortunately, it might be a little late. And I'm with Loz here. I reckon they have to come together at some stage. So I think you, you know, be very careful. The people having a crack at Cam Smith before you know it. He'll be playing everything. Welcome back to the Big Sports Breakfast this morning. Nick Kyrgios is uh, playing in the US Open second round against Benjamin Bonzi of France. And uh, Kyrgios, a $1.18 favourite with Tab. Bonzi, a $5 chance. Just an update of scores in the Premier League. And Liverpool still trailing at Anfield early in the second half of their match against Newcastle. And uh, 1-0 after they conceded a first-half goal there. West Ham have equalised against Tottenham. It is 1-1. Manchester City now 5-0 up. 78 minutes gone against Nottingham Forest. Arsenal 2-1 up against Aston Villa at the Emirates. And Bournemouth and Wolves still scoreless. 79 minutes gone in their match. Huge night of footy. Brisbane and Richmond at the Gabba. Parramatta and the Melbourne Storm at Combank Stadium. Oh, gee, this is a huge game for the Eels because you can just see the fallout. Now that Jerome Hughes is out due to calf tightness, Cooper Johns brought in to start at halfback. You can just see the fallout getting ahead of myself if the Eels lose this match tonight. But uh, punters are confident. Eels fans, I wonder how you're feeling this morning and knowing the opportunity you've got to finish top four and have a real crack that premiership with the double chance in the final series. But there at Walsh's Hotel in Queanbeyan this morning, Abigaldi comes back to the country and straight on tour with the big sports breakfast. Absolute rort. Josh Reynolds, the great man, morning to you. Hey, Mido, how are you, mate? Oh, I'm very jealous, that's for sure. Very envious. How did this get past management? Yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, I could feel that in the intro when you introduced me, mate. It's not my fault. Oh, did I make it clear? <laughs> just, a, just a bit, mate, yeah. <laughs> Tell us, mate, where are you at as far as uh, these reports with the Bulldogs linking you to a return home? Where's it all at? Yeah, mate, I feel good now. I can finally talk about it for weeks and weeks. I felt <laughs> the pressure of the boys. Give me something, give me something. But, um, yeah, so uh, I, I, I met with Gus um, last Sunday. And, um, yeah, I, I just sort of made my intentions clear. I, I, I just said, 
I definitely want to play one more year, um, and I sort of just wanted to run it, run it by by Gus and, and see what he said. And to be completely honest, he's I really I I liked his honesty. He was real. He just didn't want me to, I suppose, get get back into it, and I, I suppose not be up to it. To be completely honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, it was it was it's a bit hard to take when someone says that to you, but at the same time, it's it, it's just reality, isn't it? You know, you sort of say it, it does catch up with everyone, but at the same time, um, I, I think you could see, you know, what it would mean to me to get back to the club, and um, you know, for me, um, I know it's 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 easy from the outside looking in, I suppose. Yet, haven't played NRL in in, in three or so years, been over in the Super League, and and it didn't work out over there, but. I know for me in myself, um, if I do get that opportunity uh, with, with the train and trial, I'll probably be in my element, Loz, to be completely mm. honest. Like, So is it confirmed that you will get a train and trial contract with the dogs? Or not, still in discussion? Still in discussion, yeah. So um, I've got to meet with, with Cam uh, next week. Yep. Gus wanted me to meet the coach, and that's I'd, I'd actually like to, like to meet him. And I suppose put my, put my case, you know, forward to him because I think for for myself it's I know for me I, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be there go there and be the superstar and I, and I, and I know that yeah. but I definitely feel you know I can play a, a big role in you know whether I'm you know playing that 14 role and you know that's definitely gonna get ahead of myself because you know I've only got the training trial but you know I'll be honest I've, I've already started thinking about that and for me because I do I do love the club so much. I honestly do. And even just, you know, having that chat, I, I just got really excited about, about getting a pre-season. And who, who gets excited about a pre-season? And it's exciting times for the Bulldogs, isn't it? Because they're coming off the back of some horrible seasons, yet they've been able to recruit strongly. And, you know, Matt Burton, Josh Adokar coming to the club this season. And then you look at Kickow and Reid Marnie, Ryan Sutton, these type of guys coming in next year and possibly yourself you can sense that there's excitement and genuine excitement about the Bulldogs making a return and possibly playing finals football as quickly as next year. Yeah, definitely, Loz. It's, um, it is exciting, and that's the thing for me. I just, in any way possible, however, however it is, I, I want to help. And as you said, they're getting some really big, some big-name players next year in Kickow and, and Reed, And especially in Reed, I think it's exactly what the Dogs need. He's just a, he's a competitor, and that's, you know... Bringing someone like that into a, an establishment is huge, and you know, I, I feel for myself if I did get the opportunity, I could just, I suppose, help those guys, and probably, you know, because it's, you know, the dogs have it's changed over the, the last, you know, five or so years, and you know, probably lost a bit of their their blueprint. And for me, I, I've never forgotten how how much, I suppose, joy I got out of that place, and. I, I want to give back, and I want to in any way possible. And if that's you know playing a role on the field, then so be it. But if not, at the same time, I just want to get the club back where it should be. And that's you know that's at the top. They're a big club, very passionate supporter base, and yeah, I'll, I'll be doing my bit to to get them back to where they belong. Joshy, how do you um we we talk about 
when players, Loz and I have said on this show a number of times, when players know it's time for them to, to walk away, we we talk about, you know, for me there was a number of things that, that helped me make that decision and Loz woke up one day and, you know, he just felt it straight away. For you, mate, how do you... How do you get into that place where you challenge both sides? You, you, again, you've made a decision. You, you want to play another year. you still got it in you. But how do you step inside, okay, if I'm going to retire, it is the right time, versus, no, I've still got it in me. How, how do you look at both sides? And how did you come up when you had that conversation with Gus? How did you come up with the decision that you were sure that, no, I've still got that, that love and desire to continue? Yeah, you know what, Clark, it is a tough one, but for me, I probably had a good maybe two months, you know, Mm. while I was still over having my little little getaway in Europe, and honestly, even though I was on holiday and having a great time every day, I was thinking about, you know, what am I going to do? And, you know, there's there's pros and cons. I'd honestly get excited some days about, you know, the possibility of life after footy and, you know, a new challenge. But at the same time, there's something in my in my stomach that's just said, I'm, I'm not ready yet. And for me to know I'm coming back and, you know, possibly going to you know, get this training, training trial deal in another NRL preseason, like, it's tough. You know, it, everything on the outside looks good. You know, come back to the Bulldogs, it's going to be great and, you know, for everyone. But at the same time, I've got to do a, a gruelling preseason to try and prove myself again. And I know deep down, if I didn't want to do it, I'd, I'd know. Because it's, it is going to be tough, you know. But for the first time in my life, I'm actually really excited because there's actually no pressure. You know, every sort of deal I've signed or whatever, there's been a fair bit of pressure on me and to perform and, you know, some, some fairly good deals. But I just know deep down, Clark, I've still got it in me. And I think, oh, I hope that's what, what Gus seen. You know, he, he sort of said, you know, I can still see you, you want it. And I'll be comp- I said, But to you'll him, know you want it after 12 weeks of training too, by the way. Yeah. Like you, you'll know whether you want to put your body through the pain. I reckon after about a month, you'll be going, is this well worth it? Yeah. Is this really what I want to do? Yeah. yeah. I, I reckon you will after a month of hard training because you know what pre-season trainings are like. And we were tra- talking to a couple of blokes last night about it. Like when you're young and you first take on a pre-season, it, it's just the toughest thing you've ever done. And yeah. I'm assuming... You know, with your body, the way it is, your age, once you get through that first month, I reckon you'll get a good indication of whether your heart's still in it or not. Yeah, I, I, I reckon you're exactly right because I reckon at the start, I'll be that excited first day of school, you yeah. know what I mean? You'll, you'll, you'll get in there and rip in and, and whatever. But yeah, when, when you go two days on the trot, the body's, the body's feeling it. Yeah, that's when I suppose you'll start fighting a couple, a couple of demons, I guess. Yeah. But I think for me, Loz, I've... I've always enjoyed the training side of, side of things, and I think preseason is really where you test your, your mind mentally. It really is because you know that they, they they try and break you, yep. coaches, trainers, in in, in, a, in a good way because they want to see where your head's at. And I know for me, if I'm, I've I've gone home from preseason sometimes and gone, what's going on here? But I'll know deep down if I can't turn up the next day and give my same, I suppose, enthusiasm and energy yep. and what they need from me. Maybe yeah, the writing's on the wall, but. For me now, it's it's my head down. I'm, I'm I'm training. I'm training now to get to get ready for that you know possible opportunity. And yeah, I'm really excited if I do get it. 
Josh Reynolds is joining Loz at Walsh's Hotel in Queanbey in this morning as part of the Kosciuszko Tour. And uh, Josh, Loz was saying earlier that uh, Ricky Stewart was there last night. You were telling us a story recently about Ricky gave you a great spray from the sideline. Did, did you guys break bread? Yeah, we were all right, Mido. We were all right. I, I wasn't going to really, I wasn't going to approach him, mate. But, but uh, yeah, no, nah, we're <laughs> I want to joke. He, he's sort of a, he's a bit scary old Ricky, I reckon. He looks like an angry man. So, mate, I, I seen him at the corner of my eyes, sprinted to shake his head <laughs> just to make sure it was all all right. <laughs> I feel like Reynolds and Daly are a bit sheepish this morning. Come on, take us through last night. What was it like? Uh, no, it was a good night. I'll, I'll tell you what I have to tell you about, boys. The great David Stanley was here, and he was here early, all right? So we walk in, and, you know, he's having a good night. And I said, uh, Dave, we want to we eat early because we want to get a good night's sleep. So, so Dave said, no, I'm shredding. I'm, I'm just having a couple of drinks, and I don't want to eat. He's on the shred. So anyway, yes. I'll look around at... I'll, I look around at 10 o'clock, and he goes, geez, I'm hungry. <laughs> and I kid you not, no. this is serious. He no. goes, oh, I'm going to have some oysters. I said, right, no worries. He ought, ever guess how many oysters you reckon he ordered? Two at dozen. 10 o'clock at night. Was the kitchen closed? Higher. <laughs> what? Higher. Four dozen Kilpatrick. <laughs> You're joking. Mate, four Mate. dozen. Mate, tell him I'm that he's you. up on the Four bacon dozen. as well. That's not going to help his shred. <laughs> <laughs> and the Mate. 18 beers that he Four had dozen. with his Kilpatrick's not helping the shred either. We're, we've taken the photos. So hmm. hammer him this morning when he gets oh on. God. I'm telling you, boys. Four dozen Kilpatrick. <laughs> the man can I'll eat. I'll try to take one. He'll snap my hand off. <laughs> <laughs> he's I remember, as good as I've seen. I remember Quade Cooper was on a diet of steak and oysters for a period of time. That was it. That was all they ate. Jeez, he would have been toey. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> He's up on my uh, phone, doesn't it? for Dave. <laughs> That's a long night in bed on your own, Loza, after four dozen. <laughs> uh, Josh, right. if, you, if you didn't fall in self with him at a young age, in love with himself. Have you done the radical diet thing, Josh? Uh, nah, nah, not really, Mido. I'm... Yeah, well, I'm 60 kilos ringing wet, mate, so I just eat as much as I can. <laughs> I was, um, yeah, I never, I've never really done it. I've, um, I've seen guys do it and, yeah, like I've, I've conceded, um, I've got it, I've got a terrible rig, absolutely terrible. So I've just conceded, you know what, no matter what I do, I'm never going to look really good. So I've just gone, I'll just eat, eat what I want, you know, eat to a certain extent, but. Yeah, definitely not. Definitely not. Four of your best dozen at ten p.m. ever. Never try that one. I, I'm sure the I, I kitchen, think the had kitchen to be was shocked. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, mix the chef. All right. Yeah. So, so mix here. And I think he was a little bit shocked as well. He thought, "Did I understand that? Did I hear that properly?" And he, excuse me, how many? Do, how many dozen? Yeah, four. Four dozen. But it was the oh, old Kilpatrick, you know, and he's mm. sitting there and he's just scoffing them down. Oh, mate. He was out of control. It's a lot of oysters. That's at a lot time, of oysters. Mate. At any time of the day, let alone 10pm. Yeah. Incredible. <laughs> um, well, you know what he's like. He's one of a kind. He's one of a kind. He actually had two mates with him as well. Yeah. They, shared, they didn't yeah, was that four oysters for, for a group or was that just for him? Well, I thought it was for the group. But hmm. as Grubby said, when you went to take one, he'd give you the stare. Evil eye, yeah. yeah. It was like, mate, this is my dinner. Must have been so on the work account. Must have been on the work like credit that. card no, he as well. Nothing, he, he wouldn't want to pay for that. it. Oh yeah, it was on the work credit card. Yeah, All the boys so. here paid for it. The Walsh's yeah. boys. Thought so. 
Yeah. No. Songs oh, no. he didn't he, take he his own beer. In prime position too. Well he was in prime position. And when we walked in, he was like the king of the He was sort of like he was King of the of... Mountain. He was sitting there on his chair. <laughs> everyone had to walk up to him and shake his hand yeah, and waving to everyone. What meeting the mafia boss? He was sort of like he was um, tormenting himself, but because every meal that come out, I seen him go like just eye, and I just said, "Mate, get a like, get a yeah. meal down, you know." Like, and he go, "No, I'm not eating, not eating." <laughs> and he waited till ten o'clock, five minutes before the kitchen closed. Oh my god! The four dozen oysters. Question: so We've got to hit him up, boys. On the text line, did Loz catch the courtesy bus home again? Asks Steve. <laughs> no courtesy bus. I actually walked home last night. I looked around and everyone had left. <laughs> that was my night. Ricky jumped in an Uber and I walked out the front door and I looked around and Grubby had gone and mm. Benny had gone and Stanley yeah. had gone. Lone soldier. So I was on my own. Yeah, Loz was man there. standing, Loz, love it. The locals love Loz up here, boys. Mm. Love him. Oh, mate, you should see Wagga Cup, they? Oh. Josh. <laughs> You've never seen anything like it. Wagga Cup? Yeah. Oh, you know what it's like when you get back home. I've got a lot of family, mate. <laughs> a lot got of a lot family. Of, got a lot of friends on the land, mate. Got a lot of friends on the land. Mm. Man of the people, mate. Man of the people. Gives time to anyone, too. You're a good man, mate. A very good Try man. Try to be, Josh. No, you did are. Did you hear what someone said about me yesterday? No. What did, what did they call me, Mido? Uh Yeah, you got egotistical, um, egotistical jealous, arrogant, jealous, shallow, shallow <laughs> and full of himself. Really? Yeah, on the text line. Oh, come on. Who's, yeah. who's that guy? Yeah. It wasn't that bloke that was into me that time, was it? <laughs> What's his name? I don't know. That was the rap I got yesterday. Yeah, right. No, yeah. I totally disagree. I think, you're, I think you're a great guy, mate. And it just shows, but a quick story. One of my good mates come up, right? He's, um, <laughs> he's, he's walked into the pub, and he's a bit of a nervous guy, cows. He's, he's walked in. I haven't told him, like, like who's here. And he, sees, he sees Loz, and his first instinct went to shake his hand. <laughs> <laughs> Nelly knocks over Loz's wine, and mate, his face was absolutely petrified. And Loz, the nice guy, he sort of just went to say, "Mate, you're all right." My mate was shaken. He's meant to have a feed with his guys. I'm going to go. I'm going. <laughs> he actually <laughs> went and had a feed. He went and had a feed down the road. It was like he's seen a ghost. And I messaged him, going, "Mate, you come here, like, come here, say hello." He goes, "Yeah, I'll, I'll come back a bit later when uh, what Matty Frawls come come down and see this." I was like. As if he's going to care, but, mate, he was shaking. he come back and he went to shake Loz's head. And that's the impact you have, mate. Superstar. Uh, big fish daily. I wondered where he went. Oh, big fish, mate. Big fish down there. Do you have your jersey on? Your name on Very your small or you pond, though, mate. Very small pond. What was that? Do you have your jersey on or did you what? leave that at home? Uh, no, I didn't have the jersey on. Didn't have the jersey Just on. Just the thermos. Although I got them to replay the 94 grand final. <laughs> that was on the big screen. I walked past a couple of times and went, oh, what's on? <laughs> yeah, you've come a long way since that first training session with the Dunlop Volleys, Loz. Oh, dear. I have. Brought back good memories. We drove past the Queen Mere League Club and I pointed out where Seaford Oval was to the boys. The Raiders, the home of the Canberra Raiders in 1982. Mm. Tell you what, not much has changed. Not much has changed. Grubby, um, was, I was a bit excited yesterday because when we were walking down, I sort of pointed out sort of landmarks <laughs> to the boys and said, you know, that's the league club, that's a pub. I went into this pub when I was 20. and mm. you know, yeah, These yeah. were some of the moments I had in that establishment. and mm. Some, mm. some good moments, Some I'm good sure. moments. So it was good, yeah. yeah. Good night. Good night. Uh, now, 
Josh is going to join us after 7 o'clock with Blocker, who will join me here in the uh, studio in Sydney as uh, Josh and Loz there in Queanbeyan. Um, just on Penrith, though, Josh, you take on them resting 12 of the 13 players. Loz points out, you know, people like Luai, who uh, hasn't played a lot of footy lately after he had an injury. Fisher-Harris suspended recently. Uh, came back last week. So what do you make of the move by Ivan Cleary to rest that many players against the Cowboys? Yeah, me and Loz were talking about this yesterday, Mido. I, the, with the situation Penrith were in, their two halves being out for a, a, a fairly long time. I know for myself, if I was in, let's just say, Luai, he, he played last week, um, and to rest him this week, it's just, it's just clunky. Uh, you know, like... Just little things like, as a half loss, as you know, like your, your touch, you timing. know, timing. And in the semis, if, if your timing's off for one game, yeah, they get two bites at the cherry, but you don't want to be in that position. So for me, I'd 100% be, I know it's not up to him, it's up to Ivan, but I, I, I'd want to play just to get that continuity and rest rest the guys who, who have played, you know, constant games like Yo and, you know, possibly Coruscant, because you can probably afford that, but... With Nathan and Lua, I'd be playing them. The, the other thing, too, about it is if you're coming back in a regular club game, the intensity level is nowhere near what it'll be like in a finals game. And then you get back to your timing. If your timing is off and the opposition are putting you under plenty of pressure, it, it's hard to find your rhythm. And, and that's what they risk, Penrith. Mm. And even though they might win that first semi final, then they've got another week off. And, and again, you know, they, they, they mightn't have enough football under their belt for the big games. Mm. Um, and you look at what they were able to do last year where they were busted, they were able to win. And uh, again, a- any decision you make is, is always risky. But I would have thought instead of resting all of them, there might have been a couple. So Isaiah Yeo would have been mm-hmm. a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. Coruscant a no-brainer. I'm still thinking Luai possibly should have, should have played because you're going to have two halves semi-final time that haven't played together for, what, five, mm, six, six, seven weeks? weeks? Yeah. And then possibly come back and play one game. And if they win, then they have a week off. So they're only going to have one game in two months yeah. together. Yeah. It's, it's, your, your rhythm can be upset. It's funny, isn't it, how everyone, you know, perceives that, I suppose, having the weeks off is, is a good thing. And it is. I think for the, for the older guys, for your body, mm. it, it's good. But for guys like Cleary and Laura, they're, they're still young. You know, after games, you you could probably go out on a night out, not really recover, and still feel good. Yep. You honestly could, but it's more for just, I feel, the older guys, you know, we, with that, those extra, maybe that week off, where you can fully rest your body, f- fully recover. I, I don't know about the weeks off sometimes. Honestly, for me, when we when we when when I was at the Dogs and we were, you know, top four or top ten getting those weeks off, I, I never liked them. I, for me, as a player, I need consistent footy. That's when I feel I played my best footy because I knew... I knew what my centre was doing. I knew what my back row was doing. And, you know, like, even though Nathan's going to come back and, he, and he's, they've won grand finals together, there's just that mm. something that it isn't. You haven't played week in, week out. That might be, yeah, just a little bit off and it could cost you a game. All right, Josh will join us again, as I mentioned, for the preview for round 25 after 7 o'clock with Blocker here in the studio. Now, Father's Day deals are now on at Bing Lee and shop our huge range of great gift ideas with the added convenience of one-hour click and collect. Head to bingley.com.au today. Great service, great brands, great value. Now available in-store and online at Bing Lee. Better living every day.
Welcome back to the Big Sports Breakfast. Now in the Premier League this morning, four matches, no, five matches going on. Bournemouth and Wolves have finished scoreless. Arsenal have beaten Aston Villa 2-1. Manchester City have beaten Nottingham Forest 6-0. West Ham and Tottenham, 86 minutes gone, 1-1. Liverpool have equalised at Anfield, 1-1 against Newcastle, 75 minutes gone. In that match in the US Open this morning, uh, Nick Kyrgios not on court yet, but Madison Keys has won a thriller against Camilla Giorgi of Italy uh, in the super tiebreak in the deciding set. She's won 10-6 uh, in that tiebreak to win it. And in some of the completed matches this morning, uh, Andy Murray has got through in four sets against Nava. His American opponent, Ange Jabeur, the fifth seed, she's got through in straight sets. And Berrettini has beaten his French opponent in four sets as well. Jamie Rogers in the studio. Morning to you, JR. Morning, guys, and good morning to all of our listeners. Uh, Loz, I can see you look like you're in a good spot there all on your own, though. Uh, I am, JR. We're in the tab area here at Walsh's um, Hotel. I tell you what, it's a big place. It is a massive hotel. They do a great job here. The boys, Mick and Josh, we had a fantastic night uh, last night. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but, yeah, in venue here, if you want to punt, this is the place to come to Yeah, it does. Queenbian. It does look pretty cool. I can see you sitting there. Just, you just look a little bit lonely on your own. Um, boys, I'm waving now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we're waving back in our studio. Um, boys, I always find it really interesting, the timing of – certain like scandalous videos being released and the one that I am talking to about this morning is Dustin Martin has appeared in a leaked video of it it does look like he's probably at like a strip club or something it's unclear of when it was taken they're guessing around 2017 or where but what it is is he is sort of walking behind a woman who's sitting topless on top of another man and he sort of goes around behind her torso, grabs her chest and then sort of walks off laughing. Now, the AFL are obviously going to be investigating this video, but I always just find it interesting. You know, today is day one of finals where Richmond are playing uh, Brisbane tonight and he's been out since round 16 and he does return tonight from that hamstring injury. So I'm not, I'm not condoning any of the behaviour, no. but I always but just think it's very interesting. did you say 2017, JR? Yeah, well, that's what they're thinking it looks like is from yeah, 2017. It's, he looks look very recently. young. No, he looks wow. young. He's yeah. very skinny. He looks young. Mm. So I just always think it's interesting when things like that are released. Yeah, it's ended up on social media somewhere yesterday, this video. So the AFL's investigating, as JR mentioned, but he's back tonight. Uh, and they need him, Loz. Uh, but uh, even Damien Hardwick said yesterday he's about 80% fit, but an 80% fit Dustin Martin's enough. Well, he's one of the, the great players of the AFL. He's a three-time Norm Smith medalist. Um, you know, he's had some issues with his body, over the last couple of years, but an 80% Dustin Martin uh, is better than 100% some other players. And they'll need him up there at the Gabba. I know that they're wounded, the Lions, but, uh, you know, at home, it's always a great advantage in a semi-final. And Richmond will go up there confident, knowing that they've got Dustin Martin in their team, but they'll have to play well. And not only to talk golf this morning, but to promote a very worthy cause he's joining us in this year. Great to see you, Gowie. Hey, I love getting out of bed early, listening to you guys. I can't believe you do it, but uh, <laughs> hey, thanks for having me. 
No, good, good for you being here. I'm a bit sheepish, actually. Gowie just reminded me he saw me on Friday night, which uh, just jotted my memory, but we'll, 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 we'll leave that one through to the keeper at the moment. Tell me more. Yeah, where, where I want to know more, too. Uh, where yeah. you, can't, you can't remember seeing him, Mido. Yeah. Yeah. No, I do. I do. Mm. I do. Too, too many ice waters. Yeah, just Couple, yeah, exactly. A couple of shanties. Uh, but you're here, Gowie, to promote Jersey Day, which is tomorrow. Yeah, it is. And it? a very special cause uh, and one close to your heart, one of a few charities that, that you were, you know, you, you were invested in, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And this is one from a number of years ago. The Gremo family, unfortunately, lost Nath Gremo when he was 13. But interesting story, how it all came about with Jersey Day was that when Nathan lost his life a couple of weeks before, um, he said to his mum and dad, he watched, watched a doco and said, you know, if I happen to die at some time, I'd love to donate my organs. And the little fella donated six uh, of his organs that saved six lives. Um, so this is where it all started. Uh, and about the awareness, we're not here to raise money. Um, everybody wear their jersey tomorrow to school or, or, or work just to raise awareness because we've got we've to have it that you, you, you opt out of it. You know, it's not opting in to, mm. to actually take this plunge because one day one of us might need an organ of some sort to, to keep going. The great Mario that used to be here, he got a kidney back in the day and it, it is uh, my family's passion about it. Um, and, that, that, you know, it's just grown and grown over the years. So um, don your jersey on Friday, then that would be fantastic. So 13-year-old kid who was obviously very close to you who two weeks before went, oh, yep. I'm gonna, I want to donate my organs. <laughs> to think about that at that age. Oh, he was clever. He was a good kid. Um, you know, he'd be 21 now um, and possibly playing for the Parramatta Eels. Like, he was playing for the Hills Bulls and, and the Gremo family are, are really in with the, um, you know, the, the Hills Bulls there. And he was, a, he was one of the ball boys there. And he just had this gritty determination. Um, so... He could have been playing for Parramatta right now, so uh, or be playing for the Hills Bulls, who are in the final at, on the Massey on the on the weekend. So that uh, either or, he, he would have been there. This kid, he was very driven, uh, loved his animals and all this, just, you know, everything. So uh, we miss him, um, but this is a way to remember him. Gowie, just on organ donation, we we hear a lot about it, um, but obviously the the numbers don't reflect the amount of you know publicity around organ don- donation. Um, as a nation, as a, as a state, are we, are we you know, making sure that our numbers are increasing every year and, you know, you can be aware of organ donation, but are we, are we doing enough and, and are we sort of going up in terms of people's, you know, organs when they die to be able to, to hand it on and, you know, make sure that, we give someone else a life, basically. Yeah, no, good question, Loz. It is going up, um, and, and it's all because of this. And, and Donate for Life, the, the work that they do, uh, but je- definitely Jersey Day has, has helped that. It hasn't gone up enough. Um, you know, I think the government have to be more involved with this um, along the lines. Uh, but it definitely is going up. So if we keep going in this direction and we get the kids involved and kids understand what it means, uh, this, and if we can keep it for... For a long time, I think will it'll help everyone. I mean, when you say you know it should be opt opt out, opt or out. We, yeah, it should be just the default is that you do. It's donate. on your driver's license. It's on your driver's license. Well, that's key because probably people don't know that. Nope. It's when you when you do or renew your license, etc. That's when you can yep. 
can can make the changes. Yeah, absolutely. You can do it on on there. And if, if the government changed the the policy and the legislation, you know, it'll make it a lot easier. And you know, the Gremo family, are, are, you know, they're they're always in there, you know, jumping up and down on the desk to to try to have yeah. things changed. And I think we're getting closer to it. So, uh, but this is yeah. tomorrow's all about pure awareness on it and people to understand it. It's one of the greatest gifts you can give someone, saving their life. Absolutely. I, I mean, it, it's something that we all, sh- we all should be aware of and all should be doing. Yeah, absolutely. And thinking of a 13-year-old kid actually thinking of that is quite amazing. Mm. Yeah, you it's know. just it's phenomenal. So hopefully, Gail, you're doing some great things, yeah. getting awareness out there. Because you're right, people probably don't even realise that it's on their driver's licence that you actually need to opt in. Yep. And I'm with you. I think we just need to have the box of opting out because I just can't understand why you wouldn't want to... No. Donate your organs and, and save another life. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I was just thinking this is something we don't have enough conversations no, about. No, we don't ever talk about at it. All. And we really should. Yeah. yeah. I, I, my it's sister had a, had a cornograph, the, the great story with uh, Ivan Cleary, uh, donated mm. a kidney to his brother a few yep. years ago, of course, yep. as well. Um, and thanks to the Big Sports Breakfast, you've always been um, great supporters of this, even back when. TK was here. We got a jersey that was just big enough to fit him just to get over his head. So Mm. uh, (laughs) it was all good. All right. So wear your jerseys tomorrow uh, for Jersey Day, indeed, and uh, to raise awareness for organ donation. All right. We better talk some golf. And it's been a (laughs) seismic week, to say the least, Gowie. And the fallout continues to debate. You just see all the commentary yesterday, the texts we got. Mm. uh, People for and against. uh, uh, Clarkie's being very... Vocal, he sees, I guess, the downside in this in that he knows that the perception of Cam Smith will probably take a beating, and it shouldn't. No, it definitely shouldn't. No, I'm with you, Clarky. Uh, and, you know, yesterday was a busy day with media uh, for all this. Um, you know, Cam Smith's made the right decision. I know Gary Players come out today and said, oh, you know, he's been badly advised. Well, he hasn't been badly advised. <laughs> this Live Tour has been a great... Inter- interrupter for golf and uh, I heard you guys earlier there's been a war chest of money that's been sitting on the PGA Tour for a long long time and when we were players we'd go into the AGM and we'd talk about this and the PGA Tour would flog it off, no we haven't got money for that all of a sudden they've found ridiculous amounts of money I mean bucket loads of it so at some time the big boys are going to have to stand up and go to the table and discuss a world tour Gowie, on Cam Smith, um, you know him better than we do. How does he handle the criticism that's thrown at him now? How does his family handle it? Do you think this is something that he would have thought long and hard about? And, you know, does he he care? Is he the type of person that does care what the, the Australian public think? Or is he at a stage where he thinks, you know what, I've made this decision for a million reasons. I know it's the right one play on I, I think it's the play on for him I, I think it'll be water off ducks back but I yeah. think there's a bigger play here from Mark Leishman and Cam Smith um, Mark Leishman I think it's around 30 or 40 million dollars he's getting uh, I've heard it's 140 million that, that Cam's getting right or mm. wrong it would be over 100 million to get the you know this is the biggest coup by the way to get the second best player in the world but I think there's a bigger play here um, let's go back to and I've said it a number of times in this program the PGA Tour did a wraparound season which destroyed the Australian Tour meant mm. we could only have one or two tournaments a year Cam Smith and Mark Leishman, and I don't know this for a fact, I'm just reading between the lines, knowing these young men for a long time, they're very generous people. 
a lot of that money, yeah, they'll take care of the families. But I think they're going to come back here and they're going to help Australian golf by setting up junior funds. They're going to send up more golf tournaments for pathways. They're going to do all this sort of stuff to help that out. That's the type of people they are. So it'll go to a good cause. Uh, Gowie, does this does the Lift Tour actually help golf in this country? Uh, again, I think about, you know, Greg Norman copped so much criticism, yet I, I, I believe it's going to be, you know, uh, Kerry Packer, what he did for uh, through World Series cricket, the IPL, what they've done for 2020 cricket. I, I actually think the current player in, you know, six months, 12 months, five years is going to thank Greg Norman for having the courage to you know, to play such an important role, significant role in this. And is this going to help golf in this country? Are we going to get the chance to see all the big fish come and play in our own backyard now because of this live tour? Well, April next year, supposedly they've penciled in a live event here. And think about this, right? We've struggled to get uh, foreign players here. They want a ridiculous amount of prize money to come, um, appearance money to come here over the years. Tiger some $4 million. I think McElroy's up there in the couple of million dollars mark. If they come here in April, there'll be 48 players and there'll be a large percentage that we haven't seen before that haven't been to this country to play golf. Brilliant. So that's a great thing. That means that Kem Smith will be playing, Mark Leishman will be playing, Wayne Ordsby, but Lee Westwood, um, you know, uh, Bryson DeChambeau, guys like that that wouldn't have played here much at all other than the guys that played President's Cup at Royal Melbourne. Um, so, the, yeah, that's a great thing because we'll have kids there, people there watching the game, and it'll grow the game. Um, mm. So I've been told there possibly will be three events, live events down here. Now, getting 48, are they the best players in the world from 1 to 48? No, they're not. But they are 48 really good players. So it's actually diluting the product a little bit because they're going to be stretched apart for the next two or three years until the big boys sit at the table and they have the discussion but that's okay. That's better than we had here. And I'm only worried about Australian Tour. I don't give a damn about any other tour in the world because they don't care about us. No, they don't. It's about the growth of our game. It's about inviting new people into the game that aren't the best players in the world, men, women, and kids into the game. We haven't done that well enough over the years because we haven't had enough money. This is the injection we need. What, what does it look like in five years' time then, Gowie? In your mind, the setup of golf, how does it play out. Yeah, I think it's pretty easy, Lies. This is, it'll be what Norman originally wanted. It'll be 20 events around the world. It could be 10 owned by Live, 10 owned by the US Tour, working together and then there'll be the next layer underneath which will be the US Tour, it'll be the DP World Tour, um, then underneath that will be the Japanese Tour, the Asian Tour, the Australian Tour. We might be able to field 20 events, 20 strong events that will sit in that area, the Corn Ferry Tour. So just sit in stages and that's how Norman wanted it 25, 30 years ago. He's been Amazing. carrying that chip on his shoulder. It's starting to be chiseled off now because he's making some leeway uh, through there. And the, the Cam Smith one was a, a massive, massive, massive signing for the Live Tour. We'd better get a tip off you. What are we tipping in this week? Yeah, so they've yeah. got the Corn Ferry. So this is the last event for the Corn Ferry. The top 25 cards at the end of this. So if you run first, second or third, you're definitely, or even fourth uh, this week, you will be uh, short of a PGA Tour card for next year. Uh, we've got four Aussies in there. That Really, Minwoo Lee is probably our best chance. He's going to be trying as hard as he can because he's, he's played all year without much success. He's played well in the majors, but not when he's got to the US Tour. Uh, I'm going with Ben Martin here at $67. He's won around here before. He's played on the US Tour. He's trying to make his way back there. He had a top 15 last week with a 63 in there, and that always shows me there's a little bit of... Uh, 
a little bit of form coming his way, and hopefully it is this week at 67 bucks because I've already backed him. Oh, beautiful. So $67, as Gowie mentioned. That's under the Corn Ferry Championship is uh, the name of that tournament in the golf menu on the Tab app in the Tab website. And just Dave from Newcastle says on the text line, just a reminder about Jersey Day tomorrow. Uh, morning, team, the organ donation on your licence isn't worth a pinch of salt. To register properly... You need to register through Medicare on the MyGov app. That sounds like he's onto something there, Dave from Newcastle. I reckon. Dave, you're spot on. Absolutely, the best there way is to a rigmarole to go through, and, and MyGov app is the way to go. Okay, so to donate your organs, the MyGov app through Medicare on the MyGov app. Gowie, thank you so much, mate. Hey, Great to see you. Thanks for seeing you again for, <laughs> from last week in better circumstances. <laughs> Adam Pengilly is joining us. Morning, mate. Morning, Jared. Morning, boys. Still trying to get over those, over those oysters. Was it really last night? Was forty-eight oysters at 10, 10 p.m. at yep. night? Ten o'clock. What was it? Four dozen Loz. No, forty-eight oysters. Loz is just uh, well, just trying to get his audio back, but he's there in Queanbeyan. But apparently, forty-eight oysters. Ten o'clock. Good he ordered feet. them. It's a lot of oysters. Kilpatrick as well. And as he sat there and watched everyone else eat all night, Dave Stanley. Goes the four dozen oysters at 10 o'clock. Yeah, um, unbelievable. Uh, let's talk some racing. So Zaki is a heavy favourite. Well backed yesterday, I noted. Barrier 5 of 11, first up in the tramway, and went 2.15 into $1.80 yesterday, Adam. Yeah, he looks the obvious one, doesn't he, Jared? And I've had my fingers burn in the past trying to go back against him, uh, go, uh, go against him first up in the tramway last year. I think it was about $2.20, $2.30 last year. I thought, gee, that's skinny for a horse that's been aimed towards a Cox Plate first up over 400 metres. But he won with a leg in the air. And this year's field, I wouldn't say, it looks like a vintage tramway. Phil Profondo might be able to uh, give a little bit of cheek, but even that short quote of a dollar eighty, I was finding extremely hard to go against Zaki. And obviously, he'll set sail for potentially the George Main Stakes, the second up target on the Cox Plate later in the campaign. So, can't wait to see him back at the races. He could really step himself potentially, Jared. I, I want to say is maybe the best horse in Australia by the end of this campaign. What's happened up there in Birdsville, Adam? Have you heard about this story, Lord? This is. Just bizarre, absolutely bizarre. There's been an inquiry, a student inquiry. I saw the photo. Yeah, yeah, a photo that appeared yeah. on, on, on social media of, of, of track work at the Birdsville race before their big meeting this weekend of jockey Rick McMahon riding a horse and some eagle-eyed people have spotted in the photo the potential use of a jigger, believe it or not. Um, the Queensland Racing Integrity Commission quickly opened an inquiry up there that now stood down uh, as, of, as of late last night. Todd Austin and Rick McMahon have both been immediately suspended, and those inquiries will continue. But can you believe it? Like, the world we live in at the moment, Sharon Chapman, who's a fantastic photographer, just posted quite innocently a few photos of social media yesterday, and a couple of people spotted it, and all of a sudden, all hell's broken loose up there. What's going on with Rothfire? Yeah, this is an interesting story, Jared. Robert Heath has been trying to get him down to Melbourne, uh, obviously, for a run in the McEwen Stakes at Mooney Valley this weekend. And unfortunately, he's had some plane issues. There's a plane he was supposed to fly on earlier this week that was cancelled. I think he was supposed to get a plane as of late last night. So I haven't heard yet whether this morning whether he's actually made it to Melbourne safely, but hopefully not too much of a hiccup for his spring carnival plans. We know that Rothfire was an extremely talented horse as a youngster. Probably hasn't quite hit the heights um, in the last 12 months, and he can hopefully get somewhere back to his best day at McEwen Stakes at the Valley on the weekend. Uh, now, I've got some more betting news for the VRC Oaks. Foxy Cleopatra yesterday, back from 51 into $26. When she was scratched yesterday, she's, yep. been, she's a firmer. Did, yep, didn't even didn't even run. Dogged it, some would say, and was fifty-one <laughs> into twenty-six. 
And just looking ahead to Saturday as well, Eduardo first up in the Concord was 240 to 215. Gate four of nine uh, in the Chelmsford Shore Fire Force, 20 into 370 to be outright favourite. What about Knight's Order? The Sydney Cup winner went 51 into $19 yesterday as well, Adam. So great days racing on Saturday. Pump for Yeah, it. the fields look fantastic for the weekend, Jared. It's really starting to warm up, and this is going to be a fantastic day of racing at Ram. We can also head towards uh, the Golden Rose. It's probably the big group one we're waiting for in a few weeks' time, and then the Everest, obviously, shortly after that. <laughs> Liverpool. Paul's got a very late winner at Anfield against Newcastle. You beauty, I'll leave you on that note, Adam. See you, boys.